0: This episode of I Ride a Bike is supported in part by Allspeed, the official bike shop of the podcast. With convenient locations in Portland, Bethel, and Carabasset Valley, Maine, Allspeed is the local shop for everything bike. For more information and to check out their latest hot deals, please visit allspeed.com. He had his like personal assistant set the whole thing up and everything, so I didn't want to fuck it up, right? Yep. And I'm 55 minutes into recording, and I realized I hadn't saved yet. And I'm like, shit. You know yeah, what I mean? Dude. So you to hit that little command yeah. S. You're like, Don't hit the Q. Don't hit the Q. Don't hit the Q. Yeah, right. I'm like, Are you sh-? Uh, yeah, something like GarageBand just quits. So I'm just yeah. like, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> can't get that back. You want to un- command Z for like your life on those kind of scenarios. Yeah, totally. Oh, God. To all the bicycle Hi, I'm Seth Vallier, the host of I Ride a Bike, where each episode will explore one basic premise, to never grow old, one ride at a time, and the stories that follow. Today I'm sitting here in my studio slash garage space. It's uh, finally turning cold and dreary here in Maine, but uh, if you live here, you learn to love it anyway. Uh, At least I'm surrounded by bikes and surfboards, and uh, it's not so bad, but uh, lucky enough to have uh, Jamie Walter here with me today. If you're anywhere in the uh, New England area, you may have seen Jamie's work out there. He's an outdoor adventure photographer, primarily spent a lot of time focusing on ski industry but uh, branches out a little bit and though he does shoot other places around the country and the world. Uh, He likes to call Sugarloaf and Maine the home base, which I think a lot of us uh, can follow that uh, sentiment of how great it is to be here and have this as a home base. So uh, thanks for uh, joining me today in the garage studio, Jamie.
1: Thanks for having me, Seth. And thanks for the warm coffee. That's uh, keep my hands toasty while we do this. But it's not too bad. It's late October wow it's almost november actually and it doesn't
0: feel like it at all so less than a week till november crazy Yeah, that's pretty nuts yeah but uh before we get started on this i want to ask you the basic question is why do you ride a bike why do i ride a bike
1: uh that's <laughs> a great question actually and my honest answer as a skier I, primarily i think i identify with skiing most out of any sport out there but it is the sport that i think replicates the feeling of skiing the closest your two feet are paralleling downhill. You're swerving between trees. You're going fast. You're just following gravity. You get into that flow state where you're just locked in ahead of you. And I can't replicate that feeling eight months out of the year sometimes. So why not ride a bike? And I've always loved bikes. I've been riding them my whole life, but that I think is the purest reason why I love the sport of biking
0: yeah that's a great answer i love that and i absolutely the flow state of things is something i attribute to i follow as well similarly that you know surfing or snowboarding it has that flow state to it so riding bikes you get in you hit that crossover similarity between between them so i and, and furthering it with uh, keeping your feet parallel on skis, you, you, you just take it one notch further, right?
1: <laughs> exactly, yeah.
0: And it, like all action sports echo that. And I
1: think that's why so many of us have surfboards, skateboards, you know, bikes, skis, snowboards, whatever it is, all in our garage. And especially here in Maine, I think like you're just, it all, you're all chasing that flow state feeling of being locked into the white room and powder, looking for that next turn on a bike or, uh, you know, pulling into a wave and you just like lose focus of everything else but what's in front of you and it's
0: the coolest feeling. Yeah, absolutely. I'm 100% on board with that. Uh, so where did you grow up then? You grew up in Maine? Yep. Yeah. So uh, born in Portland, yep. grew up in York,
1: Maine, uh, but skied Sugarloaf every winter of my life and then ended up working there a couple of years after high school uh, so I think out of anywhere in Maine, Sugarloaf is my home, but, uh, now I'm in Portland, Maine as my kind of home base and love being in the big city, so to speak, right. but, uh,
0: still striking distance to the Valley, Still
1: striking distance to just about anything and everywhere in right. Maine. So it's kind of a, the perfect place to
0: be. Yeah. Right on. Right on. So in York, Maine, were you there basically elementary school up through high school? Yeah, I yep. moved
1: there and well, I was probably the middle of fourth grade, I think over Christmas break, which is like. The shittiest time <laughs> to move anywhere and be the new kid is like after everyone has established their friend groups and like right before that middle school. That pretty rough. Yeah. yeah, it was a little rough, yeah. but uh, yeah, I was there through middle and high school. New York school system, and uh, yeah, it was a it was a cool town to be in. Uh, my grandparents were there, so I spent a lot of time on the water. Um, we had a you know decent amount of property at our house where we built all sorts of jumps and like little single track bike racing trails around the house. And yeah, um yeah. we had a little, we had access to the river in our backyard. So always would, you know, bike as hard as we could and get all hot and then jump in the water and cool off and then just do it back and forth I mean, all again, day long. That's a montage
0: of summer in Maine, right? <laughs> exactly. Oh, it's the
1: best man. Like you can't beat that. Like just cyclical never ending energy of, and just cycling between activities all day long. Yeah, like right I, on yearn for that as an adult with responsibilities and just wish I could have like nothing to do and all the energy in the world to just have fun all day long.
0: As every uh, month and year passes, I feel that more and more. So it's right. like, you got to take advantage of it every, every second you can. And then you start uh, just longing for the days where you literally had nothing else to worry about except for, you know, where you are going to meet your friends on your bikes to go ride somewhere? You exactly,
1: know? <laughs> man. Oh, it's like, I, I, I know kids always yearn to grow up and I definitely did at one point but like if always. I wish you could And every adult tells a kid, like, oh, man, like, you know, cherish it. Wait till you're older. Yeah, wait till you're older. (laughs) But, like, really, that is just so prime. So, anyways, I wish I could go back to it, but it's nice being an adult, too, and being able to make my own decisions, buy my own toys, and eat what I want when I want. I mean,
0: like I said in the beginning of this, is to to never growing up one ride at a time. So, it's like, even though as we're getting, you know, technically older by age number, uh, I, I... We'll Argue all day that I'm not necessarily growing up though, so I'm just uh getting older, is all different <laughs> exactly. Age is just the number, and and I think what
1: I found too in like the sugarloaf community and any action sports outdoor sport um world is there's so many people that are 40, 50, 60 years old by the book, by the number, but at heart, these guys are the youngest, raddest, most fun having people out there and just seem to just live life to the fullest. And I think as I've gotten older and look towards what I want to be, where I want to be when I get even older Mm -hmm. than I am now, I'm only 28. So I'm pretty young, but those people are just so like idyllic and just, you know, you just got to have fun with it. One ride at a time, go out there, you know, enjoy it, cherish those moments, you know, savor them and have fun with it because, you'll get to a point one day and that might be all that you have left or you can't do it anymore. And yeah. you want to look back on it. With- it's pretty
0: admirable when you find someone who truly seems to have it sort of, you know, quote unquote, figured out. Right. Um, you know, a lot of people will get out of high school or out of college and they'll look for those mentors for their job and like how to move up in the, in the system and make more money. And, and they're trying to find mentors to look up to for that kind of stuff. But I've always, once I find somebody who uh, who seems to be just living a happy life, especially for me, I equate happy life with being outdoors and and with a lot of these adventure sports. Um, you find someone like that, I'm always just admire them and like how did you get there and how can I sort of guide my life more in that direction? So I don't get bogged down in the, in the grind, you know, and, totally. and lose focus on that.
1: So yeah, it's just go out there and do it. Yeah. Just cherish that one ride at a time. <laughs> right. and it's
0: the perfect, I think you summarized it is that, that, simple, that perfectly. Right? Yeah, it, it is that simple. Just do it. <laughs> just do it. Yeah. Nike
1: had it all figured out this whole time. I
0: know. <laughs> right. So did you ride bikes a lot as kids then you were saying? Yeah. yeah. So, um, did you have a crew you rode with or what was your situation look like was a, uh, you know, 10 year old riding a bike.
1: Yeah. So my brother, I have a younger brother, Mac, who's, you know, four years younger than me, three and a half years younger than me. Um, and he and I were just two hooligans in the neighborhood causing trouble. We had a couple other kids uh, that we grew up with that were lived a couple of houses down or whatever, but it was him and I that were always beating each other up playing yard football or chasing each other around on bikes. And, uh, I remember I, and I know this is a question you put in your uh, little guide here but um you know the first bike we ever got was this like blue bright blue trek with front suspension um kind of rigid hardtail it's probably a Walmart bike for yeah. all I know but it was a trek and it was blue and it was sweet man yeah, but right. we only had one of them so it was like <laughs> we had to take turns on it and I was the older brother so I was pushing him off and
0: right. getting two
1: laps in for every one that he did. Um, do you have
0: a little bit of guilt about that? It seems like you're a little guilt over that right now. Uh,
1: you know, maybe <laughs> if I had let him ride it a little bit more, he'd be a little more into bikes now. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't ride mountain bikes like I do now. Yeah. But um, no, we had a we yeah. had a great time growing up. I think he's he's got me back with plenty of payback sure. and wet willies at different <laughs> yeah. points in yeah. his life. So yeah, the score is settled. But um, yeah, no, we had a great time riding that bike around. We had a little. I remember there was this hill. On Our yard was pretty flat, but we had this one little tiny hill that you could, if you rode across the front lawn fast enough, you could build a little kicker up and then jump and transition to the downhill and ride it out and go screeching into the backyard. And it was, I mean, we just kept building up the jump little by little every year and like trying to go a little bit further, a little (laughs) bit further. and. Bottom that bike out a couple more times okay. than we should have, but uh, but back
0: when you weigh you know 100 pounds or whatever, too, it's oh, yeah, you know, and you're made of rubber, sick. so whatever. You go to
1: Lagucci Plateau and you just bounce right back up and do it again. <laughs> Whoa, that was sweet, <laughs> yeah, but no, bikes were an essential part to me growing up. I feel like I almost grew up at a time where. I feel the sport of mountain biking and from what I can gather of it as kind of an outsider to it looking in was it went through its heydays in the 90s. uh, You know, the narrow handlebars, that rough, rugged kind of cross-country riding. And I feel like it petered in its appeal to my generation a little bit when I was in elementary school, it was, you know, I was growing up in the era of like Lance Armstrong and road biking as a summer right. activity. Skateboarding was starting to come into play. I was never allowed to have a skateboard. <laughs> so I rode bikes, but you know, there are all these different activities in the action sports world that and skiing obviously piqued my interest a lot. Um, so mountain biking like wasn't as much of a draw as say like road cycling was Really? Was oh, yeah. definitely drawn. Yeah. To like road riding. Yep. And as I got older, um, you know, I was riding my mom's 1970s like steel frame bike that she's ridden sure. across country and around Ireland and across Canada. And um, she put some miles on it and was riding this, you know, the shifting was down on the uh, yep. stem and yep. stuff. So super retro and uh my neighbor saw me riding it he was a big triathlete and he said hey man like i've got this old road bike you can have it's a little bit better than that piece of shit like <laughs> you know here take it like make a donation to the food pantry and it's yours and it was uh oh, red. Yeah. a trek 2300 alpha which was the first carbon fiber frame bike that trek ever made wow so i have that still in my garage i still ride it and what hell of a deal for a donation to the yeah exactly and at the time i think it was you know carbon fiber frames hadn't been around that much yeah. longer than whenever you still I have it. it that's really I, yeah. st- I still have it still ride it actually and i should probably retire it and hang it up in the garage <laughs> rafters right. somewhere as a relic but um yeah i was definitely like into road cycling and um ripping around town york it's a pretty good place for it we were out on the outskirts of town so i could zip out to south berwick or um elliott kittery areas pretty easily um and i thought thought that was so cool too that you could just travel these long distances under your own power yeah. it's not like running where you get three four miles in and you still have to run back <laughs> yeah you still have to run back you're like ah oh, th- like time to turn around yeah. with road biking you kind of just Pedal and cruise, set your own pace. Yeah. Like if you want to go hard and you know cover a bunch of miles, you can. Or if you want to just cruise, you can still get thirty, forty miles in.
0: And so were you as a you know kid, a teenager, were you allowed to just take off and, and venture off and you know come home? Yeah, eventually? yeah,
1: exactly. I would go just on these like little cruises. Sometimes it would just be down to the beach area, which was you know six miles from my house or something. Right. Um, so it'd be a, t- a twelve, fifteen mile lap, but. Um, Yeah, I'd go. I'd bike down to the high school or to the beach, and just go on these cruises. And I mean, York is a photogenic town. I'd go up to the Nubble Lighthouse, and you know that was like just a normal summer afternoon for me and so many people flock to that place that right. take their once in a lifetime <laughs> photo where they've never seen the ocean to me it was just another thursday Isn't that amazing it's
0: amazing that uh, you recognize that too though i mean like it's so important to recognize that type of stuff and unfortunately a lot of people don't uh see that until later in life but you know being a kid and seeing that and being like oh this is amazing right? i
1: think i came to appreciate it more but it was definitely special to have these destinations and just that ability mm-hmm. and i think at the same time i was unlocking the the draw and appeal of that nature of cycling where you can go you know just under your own power pretty far distances and an afternoon a day whatever so first
0: real taste of freedom right yeah Yeah.
1: definitely yeah before getting a car i could still travel these roads and and go places and i wasn't limited to it sneak a couple bucks grab an ice cream or a slush (laughs) and (laughs) oh it's great so i definitely cherish that and you know throughout the year still have that a little bit of a, a draw and appeal to that like distance road stuff despite getting wicked hooked on mountain biking later on
0: yeah right did you ride with any of you know, these adventures as a kid? Did you ride with anybody too, or was it mostly solo riding?
1: It was mostly solo. Um, you know, stuff in the backyard was with my brother. We And I would ride around my neighborhood on, you know, whatever beater bike we could find um, to go play, like, airsoft with our neighbors and <laughs> right. stuff. And, you know, thinking back on it now, you definitely couldn't – kids could not get away with riding around on bikes with airsoft guns strapped to their <laughs> backs and, like, That's camo so hoodies and, like – looking like goons. So it was, uh, it was definitely an interesting and different time that we grew up in. Um, but most of the longer rides and like getting into road cycling were all solo. And I think I enjoy that oddly enough. Mm -hmm. Like I love biking with friends. I love skiing with friends. I love and know full on the power of sharing those, recreational act uh, like adventure activities with right. friends and the stoke that comes with it. But I also like, there was something so cool about the individual pursuit on these rides and pushing myself a little bit or just having time with my thoughts. Um, that was really special. And, and so in high school, I grew up as a runner as well and running cross country. And, uh, a lot of people were, you know, talk so much about, how running is their escape and their time to process. And and running was just such a suffer fest for me. <laughs> right. All I would do is just, you know, do math in my head about like how much further I had until the finish line. If I ran a little faster, I could get there a little bit sooner. And like that was what encouraged wanted me. one of the pain to
0: be over. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. But being on a bike, you can just coast. Yeah. And like that is that time where you stop and like you're looking around. You're processing. Uh, the Noble Lighthouse is my backyard and these like cool individual moments to just have that self-reflection time that uh, you know I still to this day love and seek out sometimes so yeah it's really uh it I think that's what bikes mean to me and that's what I learned from them growing up as a kid
0: yeah anybody who rides with me these days too I I still have a a taste of that when I even when I mountain bike I mean obviously the trails in Maine have just exponentially gotten better and better every season right yeah but my thing, whenever I'm with somebody, they're like, let's get out, you know, trail forks or Strava and let's look, where should we go next? On Should we go to this trail? Should we go this, trail or we go this trail? I'm like, I, I, let's just go. Like, let's just yeah. go. We're on bikes. If we get lost, you turn around or you take a different turn. And and for me, it's about the adventure of just getting lost the most. I mean, yeah. I, I grew up primarily mountain biking. When I started it was the early mid 90s and so there was there was uh, power line trails, yep. there was logging roads and that was about I mean that was really kind of it around here and so just getting on my bike in Portland heading out, you know, Washington, Ave till you found a power line trail, following that till, you know, you, it just got too thick to go through and you turn around, you yeah. know. And I I missed that aspect of it a little bit, but it's that same headspace, right? The, the adventure yeah. of it
1: is always uh, I I heard a great quote actually um, recently, and I forget what the context of it was, but it was essentially like it's always great to have an end to your journey, but in the end, it's the journey that matters. Sure. And I think it's like you just got to go out and like recognize that your A to B, the time between A to B, is also just as important as getting to your destination. So those afternoon hmm. rides where I'd go out with no plan and it's just the left turn right turn oh there's traffic going left i'm going right instead and and just kind of wandering around on it it's it's a great way to explore it gives you that freedom to do it without like if you're running and you make a wrong turn well shit like (laughs) yeah the consequences are a lot slower and higher yeah Yeah, exactly and you know i wasn't racing so i wasn't you know I would push myself sure as a right. fitness thing as like just a fun mental. I'm going to race up this hill and see how fast they can do it. But there was no Strava at the time. There was right. no like competitive
0: nature to it. It was just having fun on a bike. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, in what you were just saying about the biking the finish line is almost like the most depressing part in some, some aspects, right? Cause Poor. it's like, oh man, the ride's over, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, as opposed to running, you're like, oh, thank God
1: that's over. Yeah, you know? exactly. And you know, especially with mountain biking and when you're older you get back to the car and you can have a beer but there wasn't a beer waiting for me when I was done with a run at 16 years old yeah. but I think uh yeah with biking it and that I mean that's just what you want in a sport right you want to finish up and be like oh man I'm done like the day is over like let's go do it again yeah and like just one ride at a time and like you got to cherish each one and go out and like just have enough fun to do it to want to do it again yeah I think it's super important
0: so Through high school, then, so you just primarily ride road bike. Then, as you would just have that carbon bike that your uh, your neighbor traded to you for. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, Yeah, so I would say a lot of my riding in like middle high school, and my like experience with uh, cycling riding in general was on the road and just ripping around that way. But and and I think the point that you just brought up that when you were younger in that like mid nineties there wasn't the accessibility to, like, mountain biking and trail riding that there is now. There weren't a lot of trail networks Mm -hmm. then that, like... And the sport wasn't... It just wasn't... It was in its early stages developing, and I remember... I, as a ski nerd, I remember like the core parts of skiing, like slowly rumbling into what became free skiing. Like it was these renegades wanting to go out and do their own thing. And sure. Like, you know, one day it turned off into its own sport. And I think that's what happened with mountain biking a little bit. It needed that time to mature. And now it's like. There are great trails, so many networks just outside of Portland. There's a bunch in almost every town dotting its way down south and up north. There's obviously the Carabasset Trails. Mount Abram's doing great things. Um, I mean, hell, even as far as Millinocket, the New England Outdoor Center has an awesome network starting to develop. So that just never existed when I was a kid. And I think, therefore, I didn't have the exposure and, like, the draw and the interest in it i guess i just never knew meanwhile it's like the tour de france was the biggest thing and lance armstrong was at the top of his game before he got right. busted for doping yeah. so it was like holy shit like i want to do that yeah. like that's what's on my tv yeah. it's not this other stuff but which I was, is a bummer I'd, I'd say but um yeah overall it was
0: just never had that dr- i mean I, I never had the draw to be a road cyclist at all i just i I like the feeling of it like the like way less friction on your tires you're just cruising down the road but there's i guess i grew up out in the middle of the country on dirt roads and you know road bikes on dirt roads didn't really i mean there was no gravel bikes you know quote unquote gravel bikes i guess really and so i you know went bmx and then my i did get a road bike but right before I got my driver's license, I think I rode that for, you know, eight months and then I got my driver's license and then I, I don't think I rode a bike really for a couple of years after that, yeah. you know, so, but, uh, that, that actually, that bike right there, the third one over, oh, is my yeah. that's my original mountain bike, 1993 nice. bought yeah, down look at the,
1: those uh, handlebars, the grit, oh, the I know. Yeah.
0: The, the, whatever those are called, I know, right, <laughs> the devil horns or whatever, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> got it right down at Roger Ski and Sport right down the road here in Scarborough. No way. That's yeah. super yeah. cool. I just got it back actually. Um, Somebody took it from my house when I was in college, and I never saw it for twenty something years. And then someone sent me a picture of it and said, "Is this your old bike?" No way. He gave it back to me. That is how cool is so that? Cool. <laughs> So it's all I just got it back. I've got a. I'm gonna rebuild it over the winter. But nice, that is. I thought about just bringing it back to its original glory and then taking it to like Blackstrap and just seeing what it's like to try to like go up <laughs> right. escalator on it or something. I mean, the Take-
1: technology changes. It, it it's been one thing to watch the development of of skiing evolve with boards and and different shapes of skis but like biking has benefited i think more than any other sport as far as technology goes It's insane yeah. as we look at this well, bike look at that. and look at the narrow the handlebars bronson over there yeah versus a bronson it's got what 150 <laughs> 160 mil of travel and front and rear suspension <laughs> like the other thing is rugged it's got 18 speeds it's this big ass seat it's all aluminum it's yeah It would not roll half of the trails out here and especially in maine where yeah. everything's rocky and rudy right?
0: yeah like, forget that. <laughs> those, are, those are almost gravel tires on there. Seriously, yeah.
1: They're not They're like, much bigger than the, yeah gravel tires.
0: That's wild. Pretty funny, right? Yeah. <laughs> so cool. Yeah, yeah. So your road biking was your primary uh, way of riding uh, through high school into like uh, more of the college years. When did you transition to mountain bike?
1: Yeah. So I was working up at uh for a couple winters um, doing snow reporting and shooting photos for the mountain. Uh, and then one summer, my coworker Noel, uh, went on maternity leave. She was the communications manager. And at the time I was working like full-time seasonal from like this time of year, late October, early November through the end of the ski season. Yep. And then, just is kind of on my own for the summers, but she left on maternity leave and I filled in for communications, which was super funny because like I have no formal writing experience yeah. and like just kind of wung it and it was super fun. And I, you know, didn't, I didn't burn the place down, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So I had this opportunity probably 2015 to live up at Churlow full-time during the summer. And, you know, everyone up there was starting to mountain bike and the trails were starting to Develop at a more and more rapid pace. It was it was just at the beginning of when like mountain biking started to take off there, and I had nothing better to do. I was gonna be tied down to working, you know, a couple days a week, and I figured, all right, I'll go get a mountain bike. So I went down to what shop was it? it was some bike shop in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and and found a demo demo Trek Fuel. Ex nine mountain bike, I think, bright yellow. Yep. It caught my eye I'm instantly, like a pair of skis or like a good bottle of wine. You know, it's all about that, that look. That yeah. is just like okay, that, that label one. says it all, right? Yeah, you don't know any better necessarily. And right. I I understood bikes. I had done a little bit of homework. I knew vaguely what I wanted and that they had a deal on it, um, but not as much as I knew know now, obviously. Sure. But just figured I'd dive head head first into it, and so bought a mountain bike. Brought it up with me to Sugarloaf, spent the summer up there riding every day after work.
0: Um, Did you love that bike right from the start? I mean, you you said it caught your eye, but when you were sort of riding it, did it fit? Yeah, 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 100%. It felt like your bike. It like,
1: you know, I didn't know what a dropper post, that dropper posts were a piece of technology that had been added to bikes until I went to the shop and tried it out. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah. And so it was like there was just something magical about discovering all of this and the suspension and how you could like push the bike into turns and like kind of power out of it like very similar to skiing. You were carving the bike, working the edges of the of the tire, and just doing all this stuff that felt so familiar to me. And couple that with the you know a lifetime of having ridden bikes in different ways and growing up skiing, it like all kind of clicked at once. Right on. And I think I had. Uh, I don't think I have another summer in my memory that was as fun as that. Summer. Really? Yeah. Uh, it was probably the best summer of my life. Just like every, it was every 22, day, 23 years old, 22, 23 yeah. years old, not a care in the world. I was working up at Sugarloaf. It was probably like a four day a week job. Yeah. And every day at 4 PM, uh, you know, at 3 PM, a group of buddies and I had a group text message going on. Hey, who wants to ride this afternoon? And you know, ping, 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 ping. Yep. We're in four, four We'll meet here. We'll go ride these trails. And, you know, sure enough, four or five of us like consistently killer. every yeah. day after work, as long as it was nice out, we'd go ride till eight, 9 PM. And the days were long at the start Ugh. of the summer. And, oh man, it was, it was killer. And the network up there, it was perfect yeah. there was something new to ride every day or we just rode familiar loops one way and then we would do another loop and then the next week we would do the loop we started on the previous week backwards and you just mix and match and go on adventures you yeah. know it, it was like oh which way do we want to go left turn right turn like who cares like let's follow the wind or right. that way looks cool and we just got like lost in the woods out there and I think that's really special, and, you know, like we were saying, there's that cool – there's something about just the journey of it with no – there's no motive, really. Just go have fun with your friends. Yeah, as long as you got some snacks
0: and water, you're good to go. Exactly. (laughs) We were
1: stocked up. We had a couple beers at the car waiting for us almost every afternoon, and none of us had, like, these obligations or responsibilities that most of us do now. You know, we were 22, 23, 24. It was – pretty ragtag group of dudes that just wanted to go ride bikes and that's what we did for an entire summer and it was the best
0: the best yeah that the sounds best. pretty amazing yeah Do you still so, ride with some of that crew
1: yeah yeah so it was like spencer lee who runs freeman ridge bike park up in the oh, area I, I haven't yet um, to go there i you, saw
0: you did pho- i saw you did the photography for him though. yeah
1: i've shot i've shot photos there a couple of years and um i mean spencer would be a you know shout out to spencer lee and like you should definitely have him on as a guest on this podcast he uh builds trails up there i think he was working on trail crew at the time um for the town of carabasset which now he does full time with town of carabasset plus runs freeman ridge bike park and freeman ridge next to kingfield yep um it looks awesome up there but yeah, yeah super super great spot so i'll that's a little plug for that yeah um our buddy matt rolfson our buddy matt beamer matt beamer just had a kid recently so it's like at the time though we were just like all like pretty free go with the flow sort of people and i can't imagine like we'd all have the ability to go do that with dogs and kids and wives and all sorts of other
0: stuff it does get a little more dense and complicated as you get older but and
1: you know there were a bunch of other people up there and i my apologies for not naming them all but uh (laughs) We just had this, yeah, this core group of dudes that would just go out and and ride every day, and, and you'd run into locals on the trail, and it, you know, you're doing it on a Wednesday afternoon. Like the only people that are going out are people that live there. Anyways. Yeah. So, yeah, We in run, in, yeah. run into all the the summer employees, the full time year rounders, and uh, it was it was really special. Yeah. I think really cool. Bicycle rider. Bicycle rider.
0: When I helped design my line of AMF Roadmaster wheels, I said make them red, white, and blue to bear my name, Evil Knievel. You can see they're built solid, flashy, and hip, and the bikes come with these
1: safety tips that bear my name, Evil Knievel. So if your
0: kids are thrilled, I know just how they feel. These wheels are real exciting and bear my name, Evil Knievel. Finally, the days of having dirt back under the tires is upon us. Well, maybe some mud and a few sketchy potholes, but it's spring, and I for one am stoked. And to get you ready for another great season, all you have to do is stop by All Speeds' amazing new flagship store, conveniently located right off the Portland Trail System at 936 Brighton Avenue. In addition to a full range of bikes and accessories for riders of all levels, The super friendly staff at all speed is ready to help with everything from your basic spring tune-up to a full custom build and be sure to keep an eye out for a season of fun events parties and shenanigans with convenient locations in portland carabassett valley and bethel maine all speed is the local shop for everything bike for more information and to check out their latest hot deals please visit allspeed.com all speed the official bike shop of the podcast Did you transition ever to uh, fat biking at all? You know, I've tried it once or twice,
1: and I it just—it's not for me yet. Yeah, like, it's—it's yeah. it's, it's, there's something about it that I just don't click with. Maybe it's like you want there to be all this traction and trust in your tires, and that you can just go rip a mountain like the bike, like you could with a mountain bike, and you just can't. And that, that there's like that, that resistance you have to put in your mind that like, okay, like got to slow down or I can't bomb this hill the way I want to, right, right. the way I would in the summer. Uh, and then I'm just, so I'd rather go walk uphill on my skis and go right. into the backcountry or go for a tour to get like exercise and then go fat biking. But I can see it being something, you know, with evolution of tires and tread and, grooming and learning more about it i'm sure there'll be a day where i'd love to try it right and like get hooked on it now just like it doesn't it's not quite there yet <laughs> yeah. for me and
0: i wish it was it, d- it doesn't make your gear list quite yet yeah and, exactly yeah. yeah
1: one more piece of gear <laughs> right. to throw in my garage which <laughs> right. looks very similar to yours just a lot less organized <laughs> so uh
0: yeah I, I have yet to try fat biking and i honestly i don't I don't necessarily have a desire to do it again. I cross country ski or we do back, you know, snowboarding. We do, we just bought uh, those, those drift boards for nice. skinning up uh, yeah. end the last season. So I'm excited to do more of that this year. And I don't know, it's, it's that, that transition time. And if I really Jones for it and, you know, not long the coast here, sometimes there's just the regular trails. They don't have snow or ice on them. Just, I ride in the cold if I need to, but yeah. No, we just got BMX bikes, so a parking lot. I can get, maybe get my bike fixed that way. Yeah, exactly. To, so. yeah.
1: yeah, there's there are other ways, and like I said, biking to me is this like substitute for skiing. Right. So so when, it's when it's not skiing. quite the other way around where it's like skiing is my fix for biking, and I still like yearn to be on a bicycle. Yeah. Um, I think I it becomes secondhand, but it it's perfect. They're complements of each other. As yep. soon as it warms up and thaws out and the ski you know the skiing is done their trails open down south and ready to rip and then by the time it gets too cold to go biking there's probably snow up at sugarloaf and like things are good to go so it it works perfectly and i think that's a, a tribute to maine as well like you have that divide where the mountains will get cold quick and then it stays warm enough down south that you probably could go 365 days in a year of doing one or the other if yep. you really wanted to.
0: My, for me, my shoulder season typically is surfing. Yeah. So it's like hurricane season in the fall, like this week, I mean after this storm passes, oh, we're getting be great killer. surf. It's awesome. Weeks. And then uh, you know it's, when spring comes around the water's absolutely freezing cold, but yeah. you get those warm days, <laughs> totally. you know and oh, you know when I mean, it's getting to uh you know or iced off up at Sugarloaf and you know riding still to, surfing is where it's at for me but yeah
1: this week i think is or this time of year is the best for surfing with the water still being warm as it is and the air temperature is starting to cool off i think that's my favorite time to surf and then conversely it's like you get that first warm day and you're all stoked you're like yes like swells <laughs> good i'm gonna go dive in the water you get that first duck dive and you are just <laughs> miserable. <laughs> miserable the water is 36 degrees yeah. like it could not be any colder yeah. Oh man, so yeah, I I was looking at the surf forecast this morning. It looks pretty sweet with this storm. So we used
0: to in the uh, spring, my buddy Jody Stackhouse and I, we would go down to you know someplace ankle high knee high waves or whatever but it was like springtime and it was like little peelers and we would do uh cold hand contests so we would go there it was 36 degrees and you weren't, you weren't allowed to wear gloves oh, and then no. and we would just try to do like who could do headstands and just stupid <laughs> shit you know what i mean but well, it was like best. you know just you gotta make the best of every situation around exactly yourself.
1: and i i i think that's a testament to us east coasters and like people here and it's not just I, it relates so well to the Ski the East mentality where it's like you ski whatever you, you have in front of you that right. day. But it applies to surfing. Like there yeah. are so many you days. You be a where whiny little bitch about it. <laughs> exactly. There's so many days where it's flat or biking. Like they're not the most ideal perfect trails all the time or you don't get that tacky loam yeah. everywhere. But you go out and you make the most of it. And I think like so many people have that mentality in the outdoor action sports world and can all relate to one another Absolutely. in that way, yeah. in that pursuit. So. I think that's super
0: special yeah yeah so you get to travel with your photography a lot i mean you you, you were saying that the majority of photography started in new england snow sports but have you been able to get outside of new england
1: yeah so when i first left my job at sugarloaf to pursue freelance photography it was mostly because i had opportunities to travel and i wanted to travel for ski photography mostly but um yeah, I I've been to Colorado, California, Oregon, um Idaho, British Columbia, Alberta a couple times. I've been to Japan um all to sh- to shoot skiing and and you know, I wanted to take advantage of that especially when I was young. I didn't have, you know, the burdens of a mortgage or kids mm-hmm. or um you're paying for healthcare even, you know, I was right. just taking advantage of like, Hey, travel's cheap. And I have these opportunities to get paid to go do it and do what I love to do. And it'll, and like my camera was this vessel to take me around the world. And so I cherished it. I embraced it. I got to take advantage of it a lot, which was great. And like, I'll always look back on that and like with no regrets, like that was so rad yeah. to go work with like my heroes in whatever industry I was in and, um like go work with like these pro athletes or be alongside like other photographers that were I aspired to be at a young age it was really influential uh and so I had all these great moments but then I also realized as I left Maine and like went to these other places in New England I also like loved coming home and like whether it was just like you know you go on a big trip and you're just like gassed at the end of it and you just want to return back but there was like something extra special about like crossing the Piscataqua River bridge like back into Maine from Logan Airport and just like you take that deep breath in and like you exhale like all this stress yeah. and you're just in Maine and yeah. it like it was great and there was something i for a long time i couldn't put my finger on but i like came to realize that like the place was special and there was like i could do all these activities i was going thousands of miles away for here and like yes there's obviously value in going skiing a steep mountain in the west or like bottomless (laughs) powder in japan but uh you know are you same thing for biking you could go ride really long four thousand meter descents in europe if you wanted to but like you can also get a pretty cool like pretty rad experience here in our backyard and like we were just talking about you could go surf and ski and bike and hike and climb and do whatever like all in one day if you really put your mind to it (laughs) which is super rad
0: yeah um we're very fortunate to be here yeah Yeah.
1: super fortunate and lucky so you know as i've gotten older like of course you know more mature more responsibilities more you know bills to pay i guess so i've tried to stick a little bit closer to home and keep the travel a little bit more reduced but at the same time i'm also trying to do justice to what's around me and through my work in in industries where our backyard is sometimes overlooked by these sexy appealing places all over the world i want to try to you know embody in my work like that love and passion that's here that you that being part of a community you miss out on if you just travel somewhere and you just visit somewhere on a surface level, Yeah, absolutely. you show up to Whistler right, and you right. ride a bike for a week and you know, it's great, but to come home and be involved in building trails with your friends or hearing about like something new going on and going and riding it for the first time and then seeing it turn into a world cup enduro destination. Like that's really cool and special. And it happens all over the world, sure, but it's just its a great place to be. And I, I want to do justice to all of this. Right on. Yeah. In my work.
0: That's great. So I was a creative director for an outdoor magazine called N East Magazine, yep. outdoor adventure sports in the Northeast. So one of my jobs was to find this photography. And one of the things you'd see a lot of the times, you'd see this photography that was, it'd be the shot. It'd be someone skiing at Sugarloaf. It'd be somebody riding or rafting or whatever they were doing. But there, a lot of the times on paper, it, it was what the shot should have been, but you could see into it that it wasn't quite, there wasn't the passion behind it or it wasn't the appreciation for what it was behind it. So you're, you're combining those two things. You're taking that passion and you're able to put it into your photography, which is, which is huge you know, for, for anybody who's in the creative field to be able to recognize that. And don't get me wrong, there was a lot of amazing photographers in that. I'm just saying that uh, we get portfolios that come in, and I'd be like, this is just not it, you know? Totally, yeah.
1: And I I think there needs to be passion behind anyone's work, and any creative, I think your work is going to stand a little bit further apart if you have reason and purpose to why you're doing what you're doing. Um, And, yeah, I think that's just, like, what makes my clock tick inside is, like, wanting to do justice to these awesome opportunities that exist not too far from where we are now. And, and that are pretty fun most of the time. And like, or you can make them fun. And like, that's, I think that's something like it, you know, we're not going to have these perfectly like filled in snow covered trees that, chest deep powder all the time but if you can like still have fun with a couple inches here and there or like an awesome slushy spring day or you're you're riding roots and rocks and you're just mobbing through it and and having fun bouncing off of things like capturing that essence and that like excitement and just like it is what it is and i'm making the most of it in work through like the rider doing it me feeling it everyone just around us is is on the same wavelength, I think that like stands out, like you said, versus like some guy that's, you know, paddling a whitewater rapid that isn't as extreme as somewhere else and wishing it was somewhere else. You can right. see that like, yeah, whatever, like lazy, fair sort of deal. So it applies to any sport. It comes
0: down to appreciation. I, it's funny. It's like when I was younger, my dad was a cabinet maker. Yep. And so one of the things we'd, we'd help him, you know, do chores, we'd help him do stuff in his cabinet shop. And he always would say you know it's it's not a job if you have if you have fun doing it or you find the fun in whatever it is you're doing it is no longer a job and i freaking hated when he would say that back then of course i'm like yeah. you know 12 years old i'm like i don't want to do this like this is not fun but now i absolutely adhere to that in almost everything i do so it's it's something i t- take with me now but that's exactly what it is right it's like you you realize the things that are enjoyable around you they're right there They don't have to be that perfect chest D powder or those that perfect wave or whatever it is. It it's, it's what you have make the best of it. Yeah. Right.
1: hundred percent do what you love and you never work a day and you're like, that's so cool. You heard that so early on. And yeah, yeah, of course you're going to take it the wrong way and not really appreciate it then, but that's rad. That's super cool.
0: Is there any uh, places on your travel bucket list? Maybe Maybe specific to mountain biking?
1: Yes. Definitely want to go to Whistler. Um, I've been there in the summer to ski, and uh, you start, you have to ride four or five chairlifts up all the way up to the top of the mountain to get up to the glacier that I don't even think exists anymore. So that you sad. can ski, which is, yeah, it's super it's unfortunate. Up, yeah. But you have to ride over all the bike parks and you know all these bikers are hopping on the lift in front of and behind you and you feel a little out of place in ski boots and right. carrying <laughs> ski gear Um, uh, and it looks so much fun and I would love to get out and ride there. I'd love to go ride in Europe. Um I had a couple of friends that I met through the enduro races a couple months ago that went over to Europe and we're riding those big trans Austria or trans Switzerland like across one of the countries there through the Alps and
0: on road bike or mountain bike mountain bikes yeah. and oh.
1: riding through these passes yeah. and oh my god it looks so cool and i think that would like combine back to my kind of passion for biking that began with just like just going out and riding long distances and and just having fun with it right. and yeah going on adventures and sightseeing and like using it as a method to get from a to b but I feel do you like have any interest going in, in bike packing. I would love, yeah. yeah, especially, yeah. I think over there, especially to do it on a mountain bike and bike pack, um, like just a, a route of some sort over there would be super, yeah. super
0: cool. So, what a way uh, to see things. Exactly. Again, again, you're maybe most of the time you're still going as fast as walking or hiking. You know. Yeah, you're not. But uh, you know, get those some of those descents and you put a couple miles behind you quicker. And it's nice and you get to t- see more and totally. take it in.
1: Yeah, there's a there's a great photographer and filmmaker who's um, a big time biker, Joey Schusler, I believe his name is, and he he's done a bunch of bike packing films where he goes out with his friends and they just ride up into the Alpine in British Columbia or Colorado and like that that is something I look forward to getting into more and I would love to do more both here and abroad um, is just these adventures look incredible. You just get access to these places that, you know, you're not going super fast or crushing descents with a bunch of gear on you that, right. you know, you need everything that you to survive, like in a saddlebag and a backpack. But, right. Um, it still looks like a great way to just get into these cool places. And it's not at all dissimilar from the stuff I've done skiing where we've toured in and camped out or, uh, you know, flown in and, and stayed at yurts and, you know, ski toured from there, you can build a base camp and go adventure ride for a day and come back to it. Yeah. So I, I would love to kind of take that element of something that I love in skiing and apply it to biking and just go on some cool missions and have fun with it. You know, go explore.
0: How much of uh, the, like these missions, you know, backcountry skiing or possible bike packing, how much of those missions, um, directly coincide with your photography i mean obviously you can shoot it all but does it detract from it possibly do you sometimes wish that you could just go ride and not have the desire to stop and take it in through a, a lens as well
1: that's actually a really really cool thought-provoking question for me and i you know as you were saying it i was like no of course like i love having a camera and stopping and taking those photos and i I don't know if I've ever really had a desire. Yeah. Like, of course I've always like on some long uphill, both biking and skiing, I've had that point where I'm just like, "Eh, maybe I shouldn't have grabbed that lens or like, eh, it might not be worth it today. Like I'm not going to get the shot I wanted. And I have like 15 extra pounds in my bag that I'm just like dragging up here unnecessarily. Um, the way I see it is like my camera has been such a tool and vessel for me to explore the world and capture these moments and memories that I can like physically, tangibly hold and look back on. Sure. And it's just like a document, like photo journal of my life almost. So I like, I'd love having a camera with me to just capture those moments and memories. And if anything, like a just a trip for fun versus like a commercial trip or a shoot trip that there's an objective in. Right there's something there's something special about not having that need or desire to deliver on something and just capturing those like funny moments with friends right for like for example i i spent two weeks living in an rv in japan to ski out of and we skied every day and it was this amazing trip and there wasn't too much of it that was commercialized or that we were prioritizing it was these moments that like I look back on the photos and love the ones of us playing cards in the in the RV around the little tiny camper table. The true lifestyle aspects, the lifestyle of it, yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, so capturing those moments, I think, is great, and it it brings back those memories for me that I'll never forget. Right. And I have the photo proof of like, damn, that was cool. That was funny. Yeah. That was great. That was special. And
0: does it stress yeah. you out if you have these like magical moments where you just want to capture it and you don't have your camera?
1: Uh yes yeah. yeah yeah yeah. There's definitely like a FOMO that comes yeah, with that. I guess that's
0: what I was getting the FOMO of it, right? Oh
1: yeah, big time. Um, I, I think I've caught myself. I think like through experience, I've caught myself in those situations enough times that I like know better now. <laughs> right. It's like. I know like the makings of a good sunset, for example, if like we're going out to ride and there's potential for something to pop off. I'm like, hey, maybe we'll go on this trail and I'll bring a camera with me like just in case. And, right. you know, suddenly we're in the right place at the right time. Sure. Like, yeah, there is some amount of luck that goes into photography, but there's also like a lot of like knowledge and wisdom that'll yeah. get you. Flash forward 10, 15
0: years from now, I mean, you're, you're, you'll be locked in on that even more so, right? Exactly.
1: Yeah. 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 And like there, you know, I'll, I'll never be as smart as I am tomorrow or like as knowledgeable as I am tomorrow. So I look forward to like, yeah, utilizing that and always making sure that I, I always love to have a camera on me. And the best saying is like the best camera is the one that you have on you. Right. And iPhones are even getting pretty good these days <laughs> right. where like if I have to capture a moment just to have, I probably have 10,000 photos cringe on up, here. You're that, like, damn it. I only have my phone with Yeah. You? Oh, definitely. Yeah. There are times where yeah. it's just like, oh, like if only I had my real yeah. camera with me right. or <laughs> could just like do justice to this with a different lens or whatever. But yeah, it's, I try to, I've learned through the hard way through some serious FOMO that just like more often than not, it's worth it to bring a
0: camera. Yeah, right on. Mm-hmm. Um, so your riding style, you, you do everything cross country, downhill, enduro, all styles. You have a preference in styles? I, let's just say, I like, I tolerate
1: going uphill so <laughs> that I can have fun on the downhill. Right. So definitely love any gravity assisted stuff. I right. mean, obviously, a lot of my riding has been done up at Sugarloaf, so it's a lot of the cross country. But, you know, it, there is something to be said for earning your earning your descent, you sure, know, yeah. but definitely always looking forward to coming down. So like the enduro stuff is pretty rad The downhill. I'd love to go, you know, get on a proper downhill bike and go over to Highland, for example, and just rip just around huck it for sure. Yeah, yeah, huck yeah. It. I think that would be so a do lot you of gear fun.
0: up. Do you, do you wear like full uh, protection and stuff like that? Or yeah, do you ride that,
1: Or yeah, I like to go pretty hard when I do descend. And I think that also comes from chasing a lot of my friends around to you know that were a lot better than me um you know started wearing knee pads just right off the bat wanted to play it safe i have like pretty bad knees and which is why i love biking is it's not as brutal as running but yeah i started swearing by knee pads and and wearing the right gear and then actually there was this one time i was chasing our friends around i Decided not to throw the knee pads on. I was probably running late to show up, you know, just grabbed the bike out of the back of the truck and hit the trail. And so I was following a bunch of guys down Newton's Revenge at Sugarloaf, which is a trail I've ridden hundreds of yeah, times. I, like, I love that trail. Oh it's so fun. Yeah. And all the reroutes. Yeah. We were on the last reroute, coming around the, like the final turn back on the double track. And I just like blew out in this corner and like chewed my knee up pretty good like you know i had a flap of skin i think that i probably should have gotten stitches on in <laughs> hindsight that i didn't um but anyways i was trailing these guys and they all zip off around the corner and keep hooting and hollering down the trail like didn't realize that so you're, la- you're the caboose in the train so i was the caboose in the train <laughs> yeah. and you know not wanting to have to like sit there in my sorrows i just you know grabbed the bike didn't know what really happened brushed the dust off and went So we ride down the parking lot, and all the dudes are there waiting for me. And you know, I get—I wasn't too far behind them. And you know, stop. We all high five, and I look down, and there's just like an excessive amount of blood, like dripping down my leg. (laughs) That heart pumping is pushing it. Yeah, the (laughs) heart—the heart rate was pumping. You know, the blood was flowing to all my extremities, including this open flesh wound. (laughs) That was just hemorrhaging blood. So I'm sitting there and I'm looking at it and I, you know, look up and the first thing that happens is I make eye contact with like a ten year old kid and his dad. And this kid is just staring at me with like his jaw just like gaping open and I'm like, Uh oh. So he's like, Dad, what's wrong with his leg as I'm like grabbing my camelback strap and like, you know, tube and like spraying it down like a little shower and like trying to like wipe it all down and it turned out to be a pretty good digger and a, a memorable moment that I, I think taught me my lesson that, like, I should just always wear my knee pads if I'm going to be did you chasing show, the boys around the right, mountain. Did you
0: notice that that kid got on his bike and took off into the woods, or did he be, Oh yeah, second-guess you know, it?
1: Yeah, you know, he took off, and I'm sure he was fine, but maybe that's a lesson for him, too, that uh, this could be you, kid, if you <laughs> yeah. don't do, do as I <laughs> Even if you're running say, late, get the knee pads yeah, on, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. A lot of memorable adventures and misadventures, but that's definitely one of the
0: better ones where yeah, an important lesson was learned <laughs> yeah, that right day. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Do you think you'll transition back to road biking at all ever?
1: Yeah. I living in Portland now, um, my girlfriend and I will go bike around back cove or we'll bike down to the old port and grab a beer and some wings sometimes. And that's a road cruiser I'll usually hop on in those moments. I don't, I feel like it's a little excessive to ride a mountain bike in like <laughs> those situations, and gotta save the tires, tire treads. So, right. um, but yeah, I do, I do still enjoy going out on those solo yeah. road rides and yeah. just cruising around. Obviously, like it's better on quiet back roads, and I had a little bit more access to that to that in York. I don't love hopping on Forest Ave, and
0: yeah, bums see, me out. Cars
1: swerving through traffic, yeah, it's super sketchy, but. There is something to be said about that. And and like we were talking with adventure riding, I think the bikepacking stuff would be it cool to try. I think that's something that would be up my alley. Actually, during the pandemic last year, uh, a couple of friends of mine, Chris Bennett and Chris Shane, um, and they wanted to bikepack the entire coast of Maine. And we had been planning this trip about making a film of this. And then the pandemic hit. And then it was like that month, two months in, we don't really know what's going on, but like it's summertime and we want to go do something. We're all pent up. So these guys decided we were going to go bike the coast of Maine. And, uh, at least they, they went to bike the coast of Maine and I tagged along to film. So I was support crew for a nine day, oh, cool. nine day ride of theirs, yep. 730 miles, um, over, yeah, over 10 days. And we biked, they started at Nubble Lighthouse in York and ended at West Quaddy Head in Lubeck. And we saw every nook and cranny and Peninsula up and down the coast. Right and on. Is this available super... to online to see? Yeah, it? yeah. So uh, Maine Office of Tourism has it on their YouTube page. So Visit Maine. Uh, we called it You Can't Get There From Here, which <laughs> like when you're sitting in uh, at Popham Beach and you look over at Georgetown, which is literally... 400 yards across the water and it is a 45 minute drive let alone like a two hour bike ride to go <laughs> north then east then south and then west to get like literally across the pond classic so, Maine for you all oh, right dude, it's so i classic. mean just being
0: down here on uh in scarborough um, black point i checked the surf at scarborough beach and it's kind of bunk i'm like i'm gonna go to pine point and it's like damn it it's like i can i can th- throw i can actually paddle across the pine point from there faster right? than driving <laughs> all the way up and back around oh so. my
1: god it's so crazy <laughs> yeah yeah so
0: can't get there from here yeah right well, I feel like that's a, that's a good note to end it on then. Yeah, though. dude, you definitely. You can't get there from here. But if you're on a bike, you might be a little faster. Yeah, right? it is, so. especially in the woods. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, before we go, anybody out there you want to say hi to or anything you want to plug? Uh,
1: your, yeah.
0: Your site, things like that and whatnot?
1: Definitely. So uh, my website is jamiewalter.com where you can check out my photography. There's ski work on there. There's bike work on there, all sorts of stuff. Uh, my Instagram is at jwalter1337 uh definitely give a shout out to my girlfriend anna our two dogs um steo which is a partner of mine they're a clothing company based out in jackson hole they make apparel for skiing and for biking and all sorts of like mountain lifestyle wear um they're awesome steo check them out and yeah uh looking forward to getting back on my bike already i think this like gets me fired up for next spring which is exciting but in the meantime let it snow baby and <laughs> yeah, right on. let's go
0: skiing yeah we'll, we're gonna get that uh, surf and uh ski session in one day yes we'll make that happen yeah. before bike season and then we'll have to ride next spring anyone listening will see you photo evidence of it on instagram hell yeah <laughs> so, let's do it yeah well thanks so much for your time today jamie Seth, i really appreciate it me, and anyone out there uh, have a bike related story you'd like to share love to hear from you you can contact me and find a little bit more about that at irideabike.com and you can follow along on our instagram page at irideabike and until next time ride safe and ride happy oh yeah dude, thanks, dude. It. that was awesome riding a bike is better